0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ole Speaks podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Andy, coming to you for episode Two hundred and two, And if you want to listen to this episode, as well as future episodes, and maybe even previous episodes, feel free to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to give us a nice five-star rating and review. So, much to our liking, more good things to talk about, because Juventus won again. So, let me bring in here the crew here, a little shorthanded, Sam LaFressi. Hello, Sam. Is this real life, man? It it might be. Like,
1: all these score lines and and all this,
0: what? Is this real life? I don't know, Chucks, is it real life? Hello, Chucks.
2: Uh, It feels pretty real, but then again, you ask Elon Musk, we're all in the simulation, so. That's why I
0: don't ask Elon Musk anything. Yeah, he might be the wrong person to ask about stuff these days.
2: (laughs) True, true, true. But yet, still, a lot of people, unfortunately, ask him a lot of stuff. So, um, (laughs) there you go. That's right. Anybody well,
1: ever asked him about soccer, he'd probably claim he invented the sport.
0: Yes. yes. He revolutionized tactics, much like oh, yeah. Pep Guardiola. He told Pep everything he knows. He told, yeah. He taught Pep everything he knows. Yep. 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 Anyways, on that awkward transition <laughs> note. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Shucks, that was my fault. That was my fault. Yes. Shucks to send it right back to you. Your, uh, your takeaway from what, uh, what proved to be another week of Juventus scoring a lot of goals.
2: Well, since I started on a tangent, I guess I uh, need to actually start with my <laughs> takeaway on topic. So I will do that. Yeah, I I think this has been the last. Um, well, it's a takeaway kind of that encapsulates the last month or so of of Juventus play, and that's really been you know it's it's been the moment of strikers for uh, Juventus. Obviously, the big story is just how many goals we're scoring, which uh, is I mean unheard of. In recent history, at least, uh, to score for Juventus to score that many goals in such a dense time period. I think that's really, you know, that's really the the surprising thing. But um, it's, yeah, it's been the story of strikers. I did a rough count. I didn't verify this very, very well, but I did a rough count of just how many goals uh, our strikers have scored in the last. seven ish games or so since Fosinone. yeah since posinone i started counting and from my count, which again i should probably double check that but 13 goals have been scored by strikers out of the uh 21 21 goals and like i said that since Fosinone. so um yeah 13 out of 21 of strikers i mean that's excellent and i'm counting yield as a striker here and yield he in case of, yeah i mean yeah, he's uh he's playing as one and basically is one as well so you know yeah more than half uh, our goals have been scored by strikers uh, just in you know this since this recent goal glut has uh, started and yeah i mean obviously a that's very good and b it's uh it's a shift i think because earlier i think a few episodes ago we were talking about how Democratically divided, our goals <laughs> <laughs> were between uh, strikers. Hell, hell
0: it wasn't so long ago when we were talking about only center back scoring goals.
2: Yeah, 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 I forget which. Well, yeah, there was one game I think where like I think all three was was like Danilo Bremer Rugani or something all scored in one game or something. I, I forget. I, my memory might be might be confusing it a little bit there, but yeah, I mean it's it's been like I said the the goals have been very evenly divided across just midfielders, defenders, uh strikers, not goalkeepers yet, not yet, but
0: <laughs> not yet.
2: <laughs> Let's see uh oh I forgot the name of that brazilian goalkeeper. Um oh man. I think he played for Santos. Oh, well, wow. oh this escapes me. That brazilian goalkeeper that took free kicks and and um penalties and relatively recently. Oh I should I really should I should remember. There's him.
1: there's Hans-Jörg
0: Butz from Germany.
2: Yeah, 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 him too, yeah, yeah. But there's one recently, ah, well, I'm sure someone was listening to this and screaming out his name, but (laughs) I just, uh, it was in my head just a while ago, but anyway. But yeah, no, the goals have just been, you know, up till just this recent, you know, goal rush that we've had. They've been divided very evenly across, you know, midfielders and again, you know, uh, strikers and defenders and uh, not so much our wing backs, actually, really. But, and just now, all of a sudden, strikers are just, scoring them and <laughs> just you know left right and center um you know with milik a hat trick and Vlaovic, obviously he's the you know story of the well, last few weeks as well uh yield as well even kiesa popping in with a goal despite his kind of stop start games last uh the last few games uh just because of injury again yeah strikers have just been scoring like crazy and you know i don't know if that speaks to maybe a change in tactics or just a i don't know uptick in form or if something specifically about the way we're playing is different that this has happened or if it's just coincidence i'm not really sure but it definitely something has shifted and you know now you you which I, I think in the last season and a half or so, we really haven't been very uh, striker friendly. <laughs> let's just say like that. And um, well, yeah, just suddenly it's changed. And let's see if it's a fluke or if it's, uh, yeah, a consistent pattern.
0: All right, Sam, what you got? It is so
1: cool to see Dusan Vlahovic playing the way he's playing right now. This is what we paid for right here this guy that's hitting volleys and hitting crazy free kicks and all this stuff from the last week. This is the guy that we wanted to see for the last two years. He's really confident. And it, I feel like there's been a subtle tactical move or really not so subtle, but you know, there's been one change in the team that has really gotten him going. And now he is just, super confident. He is going after every attempt that he can get, and he is scoring goals. And if he's going to go turbocharged for the rest of this season, that votes very, very well for us and not so well for the rest of the league. You know, if you if if we've actually figured out how to make Dusan Blaovic score like Dusan Blaovic,
0: then that's going to be, you know, there are some results coming. Uh, I will, I will take a uh, Sergio spot in the takeaways and I will just say that it is very nice from a writing point of view to not have to wait until the very last minute to know what I'm going to write about immediately after a game. I know I'm yeah. making it all about me, but the last few weeks of blowout wins and, you know, winning by three or four goals where the game is essentially decided with like 20, 20, 25 minutes to go, if not more. That's been very nice, and I think just for all of us, I think all three all all three of us can agree, just from a stress standpoint, knowing how the first half of the season was going, to now where the last four or five weeks have been, uh, you know, three nothing wins, uh, four one win, uh, six one win. It's just like, okay, we can breathe a. <laughs> a little yeah. easy at the end of games rather than I can put my blood pressure cuff in
1: the cl- in the cabinet away
0: yeah rather <laughs> rather than you know stressing about a a one nothing or 2-1 win against a team that's sitting 16th it's just it's nice it's it's a breath of fresh air is basically what i'm saying so essentially to uh, follow up my own takeaway it is a week in which juventus records another couple of wins their unbeaten run is believe uh, do my math here, what, 19 games in all competitions. They've won seven straight games in all competitions. They've won five straight in the league. It is now Juventus atop the table, and that is because uh, Inter's doing whatever the hell they're doing in Saudi Arabia uh, at the moment with the Supercopa. But obviously uh, with now just one game and one weekend separating Juventus from going to San Siro to begin February they essentially control their own destiny when it comes to sitting in front of and sitting in first place going into that game so if Juve beat Empoli next weekend they will not only be up four points before Inter face Fiorentina the next day but they will also ensure that they go into the showdown with Inter in first place and they've done that because they beat Sassuolo pretty handily and then they beat Leche pretty handily with, thankfully, a much improved second half performance as compared to what we saw in the first forty-five minutes against Leche. So, Chucks, I will send it back to you. Your thoughts on this week, and I guess since the uh, the Leche game is more kind of front and center for us because it's the most recent one since the last time we we had a, a post game kind of podcast. Uh, what what are your thoughts, and how happy are you just to kind of see this goal scoring form continue?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll come in on the Lecce game and uh, I'll give some brief thoughts on the Sassuolo game. Um, in terms of the Lecce game, I think I think we all realized how, you know, the first half was uh, nervy. <laughs> you know, it was your typical away game against the Provinciale type of team, which is like the... The opposing team acts as if it's the World Cup final and it's, you know, their <laughs> last game on earth and they just give it their all. I mean, the, you know, which, OK, I mean, for the sake of the sport, I think that's nice to see. You know, you don't want to see lower teams just roll over and just, you know, ship five goals in 35 minutes or something like that. You know, that's not fun i guess for the neutral it's obviously fun for the team winning but you know it's not really fun for the neutral or for the, the sport in general so i think that you know it's good to see competition and it's good to see a fight from posing teams who are generally just kind of you know mid-table or even you know lower mid-table slash fighting relegation so you know, that's good. But again, it's just your typical type of pulling game, you know, and they they really made life difficult uh, for Juventus. You know, you had Bremer, who's um, which pundit it was. I mean, us as well, of course. But there's also another pundit that said that Bremer was uh, or he crowned Bremer like the defender of the league or something best defender of the league. So which I mean, obviously, you're hey, uh, here, here to that. I'll second that very, uh, very enthusiastically. And well deserved of course but even you know damer who you know has had such an excellent season uh with juve he looked pretty nervous as well in the first 20 well 10 20 minutes or so yeah legend really just brought the game to us they I mean they really went there to win and not just to you know hopefully steal a point against the mighty juve so that made life very difficult in the first half but I think in contrast to games, uh, well, last season in particular, but just also games during our you know darker days, this wasn't a game where I felt like you know after halftime like oh this is just we're just hanging on here. I really felt a lot of calm around the team for this you know going into the halftime break. I thought okay you know it's, it's tough, yeah, which again uh, as I've said before, there are no easy games in the league. Um, I think honestly every game is challenging and i mean that's good again good for a competition and good for just the sake of the sport but there are no easy games and despite that i still was pretty calm around the, about the game I, I thought you know okay this is this is tough i think we can i mean we'll we'll make it we'll you know we'll we'll figure out a way to get out of this and we'll you know recover from this and i didn't sense any panic in the team either uh, you know getting a few nervy moments but i didn't see i didn't see that sense of panic of like you know we're just about holding on. It was just, okay, this is a tough game. We got to, you know, ride out a difficult period in the first half. And then we have the quality to win. We have players who, above all, are really in form. I mean, Vlaovic obviously, he's, you know, the man of the hour. I uh, cannot yield this. And just, you know, the midfielders all in form. We've talked about McKenny, Locatelli is having a good season. He's having a, you know, very well-timed kind of uptick in form. You know, everybody's That's in form. That wasn't the- today, though. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, not yeah, today. yeah, 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 he wasn't. Yeah, I, yeah he
1: that's didn't. that's odd because it's odd you say that because I was just looking through the statistics of the game and Miretti led the team in key passes. Uh,
2: um, yeah, yeah, he did create some key. I remember it. Was, yeah,
1: it was one of those games where certain players, the stats and the looks really didn't because you know, overall, Miretti didn't have that great a game. He showed some flashes, but he didn't make his decisions in time. You know, he, he he was just too long, too ponderous on the ball when he got into good positions. But he was, he did still create a couple of, you know, he created three different shots. You know, same with Philip Kostic. He had a pair of key passes, but man, did he still look bad. It's one of those things where this game, you know, it, it goes to show that this game, you really have to look under the raw statistics in this sport, because sometimes they're not going to tell you everything
2: yeah yeah stats uh, are deceiving <laughs> numbers are deceiving you can uh, create any story you want with uh with numbers and as we all kind of have our gripes about the who scored the uh, rating alg- algorithm which yeah has uh, <laughs> interesting ways of uh, reaching their conclusions about final uh, final ratings for their players but you know whatever but yeah no i mean just in, in general again about the leche game I think last season, this was a game where we probably, I don't want to say we would have lost it. I think that's a little lazy analysis, but I think this is a game where last season we would have kind of fallen to a nil-nil draw and just kind of, you know, stumbled and kind of huffed and puffed to a a goalless draw. But again, I mean, just showing the incredible improvement this team has made and just the real maturity and professionalism. um, I think, and I say that because, you know, Again, this is a game where you easily could have panicked. Players could have panicked very easily. You know, again, you're playing away against a team that's really just in the mood. That's, you know, the whole Juve effect of like, this is Juve coming to town. We're going to play our very best game and give it, you know, absolutely 100%. Yeah, it it very easily could have been a game where, you know, players panicked. But yeah, we didn't. We just said, you know, we've got the quality. You know, just keep keep plugging away. And then well, eventually it became a, I mean, Pretty handsome scoreline, uh, the end of the, at uh, the end of the ninety minutes. So um, yeah, I think just that game really just marked our yeah maturity and professionalism and the improvement. Such such massive improvement since you know last season. And then yeah, I'll quickly touch on Sassuolo as well. That game as well. Just you know, we all had the bad, as you said, Sam, in your review, just the bad memories from the from the first game, of course, and just how. Convincingly, we erased those. I mean, you know, that game was never in doubt. I think, I mean, okay, we had, again, some kind of nervous moments after the 1 0, I think it was. Or, uh, yeah, after the 1 0, I think. But, I mean, again, we just, you know, swept them away pretty easily with uh, that, you know, incredible free kick from Vlaovic. And then, uh, you know, the 3 uh, 0 late for Chiesa, who definitely needs that based on this stop start season. So just the convincing, nature of how we're playing is something I I just haven't seen in a long time. It's it's uh yeah, a mark of champions, dare I say. I mean, yeah, this is the game that this is a game
1: that champions do win. And I agree with you that last year this would have been most likely a nil-nil draw. Maybe we would have had maybe something cool would have happened and we would have run away Puerto Musso with a one-nil. But this was not going to be an easy game. Lecce coming into this game had only lost twice on that field. So, it, you know, this, this was going to be difficult. Allegri was was bringing that bell a lot in his pre-match. Was, and he was right. He was not wrong about that. You know, Roberto D'Aversa, I think, is... There are a couple of guys in the lower parts of the table, you know, the, the, the lower mid parts of the table. D'Aversa and also uh, Eusebio Di Francesco. Who are, are res, uh, rebuilding their reputations a little bit after some really awful years for themselves, and Daversa is one of them. He's got this team playing pretty well. He's lacking a, a clinical finisher, which we saw in the first half. But you know, these these are guys that run hard and play hard, and we knew what we were coming up against. And you know, that first half we basically negated each other, with the exception of you know McKinney having that ball cleared off the line. And then, you know, like you said, Chuggs, we just kept on going. Uh, that, if, if that had been a penalty in the first minute of the second half, that would have changed some things. Now, yes. granted, at first I was stunned that there was no call, but the replay clearly showed it wasn't a penalty. But I, in, that, in that moment, I was like, he's not calling that? All right, that's going to bar. <laughs> but once we got the goal and started forcing Lecce to really kind of open up and push, then, you know, we could just get in there. And thanks to a little bit of Juve on Juve crime, uh, Vlaovic picked up his his second, and we, it was pretty much free from there. And the third was was kind of icing on the cake. But it showed a team that that was composed. It showed a team that, in years past, in the last two years, a game like this would have really been the one where I would one where I would have thought this team has no idea what they're doing in possession. And that is feeling less and less the case since the count since the twenty twenty four began. You know, they're they're real. They seem a lot more comfortable in possession. I think there's a reason for that. His name is Kenan Yildiz, <laughs> and I think that because of that, we've started to be able to win games in in different ways and s- scoring more goals because it's just you know we are exponentially more dangerous with Yildiz playing. You know the way he played. He didn't play particularly well today, but just being that out-and-out second striker is what I think is really kind of setting Vlaovic free. Because he, for all the good things Federico Chiesa does, that's not one of them. Because he's not a second striker, he never has been a second striker. Allegri's been determined to try to make him into one for the last three years. It's still not happening. Uh, but Yildiz is just so much more natural in connecting the lines like that. And that is what I think has really brought Vlaovic out and said, and because he, you know, he's getting he's getting the ball in places that he likes. You know, that for the first goal against Sassuolo, I think, was one of his was was a real sign of that when, you know, he got the ball from Miretti going towards goal. You know, he could go, he could move downhill towards goal, open himself up, take that shot. You know, we've seen that in a lot of his other. Uh, of the other goals that he scored since he started to really rev up into form and that's because he has the has a guy there now that is connecting him to the midfield instead of having to play with his back to goal and hold the ball up which is just not the best part of his game he's gotten a little better at it this year but it's not the best part of his game and now that he can really turn and run at the goalkeeper and and play the way that he really that, that makes him the best striker that he is, we're seeing this happen. So, you know, that that very small change, you know, based mostly on the fact that he is his knee right now is barking at him, has has, I think, really opened up this team, both in terms of uh of Blavich himself and everybody. You know, everyone looks like they're moving forward a little with a little bit more
0: zip in their step. Yeah, I mean just, just look at the first goal from the Lecce win where it's you know McKenney gets the ball out to yield is wide, and then it's just he's just I mean, almost like Chiesa in a way, where he's just yeah. putting his head down and going, you know, full bore right at the right at the back line on the counter. And I mean, yield is a shot is what allowed props to Andrea Cambiaso for really being kind of Johnny on the spot and noticing right right away that the uh the ball hadn't been Fully kind of collected by the keeper, and that you know, Falcone had given up a nice rebound because he was there. I mean, in an instant to, yeah. to get the rebound. And as you guys were talking, I was actually watching the replay of of the goal. Gambasio on his first touch. At first, I thought he might have gotten another touch, but on his first touch with his left foot and his momentum going away from the goal, sends across right into Vlaovic, and obviously he. You know, Dusan didn't hit it all perfectly by any means, but he kind of, as I mentioned in the postgame thread, kind of pulled an Di Maria where he hit it the right kind of way to get it up and over the keeper. So, I, yeah, it was just, you know, Yildiz, I mean, he's... Ogba likes that shot too. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned about Yildiz. I mean, he's... The last couple of games, he hasn't had those kind of big, grand performances like he did when he first came into the starting lineup, but to kind of steal a line that I keep saying about Cambiaso, he's just making a couple of plays each game where it's like, okay, this is this is a big difference in how they scored a goal or yeah, scoring a goal or assisting a goal. I mean, he's just he's doing maybe not as much as he was doing, you know, a few weeks ago, but he's doing some really notable moments and contributing to goals being scored. So, yeah, he's I also mean, just it's funny because souls with those nutmegs. Yeah, I mean he, he, <laughs> he even made he, he made the ref today. He made yeah. the ref <laughs> got bored of begging opposing players, and now he's begging the ref. But I mean, it, it, it's funny because the narrative, you know, on on the on the Paramount stream was like, okay, he's struggling midway through the first half. Maybe this is a sign of an eighteen year old not being as consistent yes, as, as yes, he so. could, I, I, I heard and that. then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, look at what you just could do. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny how those things work. And I mean, that's kind of how the announcing game works for, for, for folks sometimes. But yeah, I mean, it's just, he's just, he's just doing things when he's needed essentially. And you know, he's, he's, he's proving that he doesn't have to play great on the whole to impact the game in certain moments. Yeah, it's, you know, you don't have to. He doesn't have to dominate the game
1: because he's got really good players around him, you know, and players that are finally starting to gel into a a unit that is more cohesive and is is playing like a like an actual team as opposed to just a bunch of dudes that are good at football being on the field at the same time. And I I think that there are things are going are looking a little bit farther up than I was expecting them to be here through, you know, this first, these first three, four weeks of the season of, of the year,
0: rather. Yeah, it, it's funny. I want to, I want to uh, get to a, a tweet real quick that I saw from uh, one of, one of the, the UVA reporters uh, who's constantly around the the team Mir- Mirko Di Natale, who's been on a few English language podcasts over the course of the season. It's funny. He, he phrased it. This kind of way, in terms of Juventus's performance of late, the the UVA of January twenty first, and this is me using Google Translate, so thank you, Google Translate. The the the, the Google the Uve of January twenty first is the one with the play of August, mid September, the solidarity of late September, October, and the awareness of November, December. So I think it now we're kind of seeing things that Juventus did well from different points of the first half of the season, and it's kind of all blending together. Cause I mean, we're sitting here at the beginning of the season, like, Oh my God, they're scoring goals and they're creating all these opportunities and look at Andrea Cambiaso, underlapping and overlapping and all this stuff. And now it's kind of like, and then it was, you know, they're basically doing nothing but defending and hoping that they get one or two really good scoring chances. And now it's kind of like, okay, let's just kind of compact all of them into one nice shiny object and make everybody happy.
2: And I appreciate
0: it. Hell, I don't know how long this current version of Juventus is going to last. I mean, it could be, you know, Corto Musso for the next three weeks, but this four or five week period has been just, I mean, it's totally unexpected. And I think that's why it's kind of like, please let it continue. Yes. And the big test is coming in two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, it's great that they can do this against, you know, teams that are 20th and 16th and 14th, like Lecce was coming into today, but the big one, can you do it against the, uh, you know, the big boys on their home field when there's going to be 70 something thousand people screaming, not so nice things at you.
2: And and of course, the good thing about this whole uh, attacking run and this winning run with so many goals is that we haven't sacrificed uh, defensive solidity for it too much. Max um, got know. his
0: away, away game clean sheet. Finally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's another yes. thing he wanted pregame or in his pregame press conference. And in his pregame interview before kickoff, he's like, we need a clean sheet away from home. Ta-da!
2: <laughs> yeah. Cause it, you know, defense is still the priority for this team because, you know, again, despite the sudden glut of goals that we've had defense is still our forte. I mean, it is still our, you know, to use the, uh, the NBA language from, uh, Business school, the our competitive advantage is our okay, at, defense. At
0: first, at first, I thought you said NBA, and I was wondering. I, what your I heard about. the exact. Oh same right, thing. <laughs> Oh, yes,
2: yes. Oh, don't, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> it's now, uh, now no, it's uh, same sport still. <laughs> but yeah, no, our competitive advantage. I mean, it's it's still our strength. Is still our defense. You know, granted, against Leche, we did give away a bit, too, a bit more chances than I would have liked. And again, that was really that first half uh, storm that we kind of had to weather, where Leche was just, were just you know really gung ho going for goal. And I mean, again, I respected, um, I respect them not being you know just kind of laying over or or laying down and just hoping for a you know one little set piece uh, goal. And they really took the game to us. So I you know I appreciate that and I respect that. But yeah, I mean, against Tassuolo, for instance, you know, okay, we gave we gave away, uh, I believe, eight shots. Let me double check. Yes, eight shots, but only 25% of them were in the box, which is what is that? Two shots. Only two shots were in the box, and the rest of them were all outside the box. Uh, for me, that's always kind of the measure, really, of how the, the quality of chances you're giving away or how dangerous the chances are. You know, I'm relatively OK with uh, giving away, well, if we give away shots that we force them into the most difficult shots possible, which are always going to be the shots outside the box. Um, you know, the closer they are to goal, obviously, the more dangerous they are. So, I always, you know, I always kind of look at that as kind of a measure of the danger of shots. And I mean, I guess you can also use the old expected goals uh, <laughs> metric, uh, which, you know, I have my issues with, but whatever. But uh, yeah, so against asuolo you know, again, the chances were in eight shots, but I mean, vast majority of them outside the box. Uh, against Lecce, a uh, few more shots given away, a few more within, the, inside the box. And again, you could feel it They're, You know, Lecce could have had a goal. I mean, they, they definitely don't think it would have been entirely undeserved for them to have a goal, definitely based on their first half performance. But in general, anyway, just within this winning run we've had, I think the, really the main positive is that we haven't sacrificed defensive solidity for that attacking uh, success because uh, i mean you see that a lot right you see the whole uh we'll score or you score two we'll score four kind of uh you know thing which is uh often associated with the premier league and well it's in spain i guess as well but um but yeah we haven't done that thankfully so that's uh, i think that's a real real uh positive which you know like. is going to that's his number one thing. We must keep a clean sheet, and uh, yeah, we're we're doing that uh, pretty well.
0: Uh, can I ask you guys a, a question before we get to the Twitter questions? Mm-hmm. Mm,
2: ask me anything.
0: What does Weston McKinney have to do to get a goal? Uh, <laughs> I think he's uh, got to. I think he's got to go to Paul Pogba's witch doctor. Uh, he's he, he, at this point, he might have to like seriously just actually dribble it into the goal. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah he has to do a lot really (laughs) but hey it's a thankless job Uh, being a being the type of midfielder he is is a pretty thankless job Uh, and you know I'm sure I mean he seems like the type of guy that doesn't you know uh, wouldn't get too upset about it thankfully (laughs) because I I know uh, I
0: did I did find it very interesting that on all the headed chances that McKinney had and this is just me going off my memory not any official stat I felt like almost every one of them was a cross into the back post. So that, I mean, yes. we, we talked last week about how, I think it was, no, you, Sam, talking about how Sassuolo, they were really trying to attack the fullbacks with yeah. the, the cross field passes. I feel like in this game, especially on set pieces, Juve were really trying to essentially just try and use McKinney's aerial advantage, aerial prowess to his to their advantage. Because, yeah. I mean, it There's was... So many of those back post crosses. Exactly. And you look at the, the goal he had cleared off the line in the first half. He was on the back post. You look at the cross that Kostic had into McKenney on what should have been McKinney's goal, but it was Lovitch's second goal, to the back post. A couple other chances that he had on corner kicks to the back post. So that was definitely something that... I feel like they really kind of identified in their scouting and it's like, okay, this is, this yeah. is something we need to try and exploit. Yeah, it was. And,
1: and you saw, you know, there was another one where we weren't able to get a, a shot in, but, you know, Falcone went for it and missed. So that, that might've been what it was is, you know, he bites on these. So let's try to get him. you know, let's try to get him to bite. And maybe we have a, a shot in an empty gold, which was pretty much the case for McKenny. yeah two guys in in between him and the goal that were able to and the first one was able to get it out
2: and i suppose McKenney is our assist leader now in all competitions i suppose um is he i thought we're joints or no it might be cold Stage, i guess by one i don't know if they've updated it yet uh I'm hang on double check yeah
0: this is thrilling podcasting. All three of us are probably firing up three (laughs) different stat stat. He's got three. (laughs) Costich has four in the league. Yes. And then you've got all, all comps. It, it is Weston McKinney there, Chuck.
2: Yeah. Yeah, There you go. All competitions. Yeah. There you go. Shout out to McKinney. Yeah. He's assist leader. So I guess he'll, uh, I guess maybe you know he'll he'll take that uh, stolen Vlaovic <laughs> goal because then he's like, well, now I'm assist leader. So.
0: And as we were saying, three of those have been to Dusan Zlobić, so yeah, uh, a nice little Agreed. nice little connection there. Although I I think this assist was more so intended for his own goal scoring rather yeah. than Vlaovic.
2: Yeah, yeah, and his I mean he's just been I mean obviously again this was kind of his pseudo goal, but I mean he's just been crossing. Uh, you know, laying on the crosses and laying on the the assists through his crosses. So, you know, well done, uh, McKinney. And we've obviously sung his praises in the in the last uh, episode.
0: Yeah, and it, it goes down to another factor of well, we've talked a lot this season about kind of the the overlapping, underlapping of of the wingbacks, where you know McKinney might be popping up in spots that even when he's playing on the inside, as compared to when he was a full time wingback earlier this season, where you know you might not expect him to. So I think that's that's been essentially Max taking advantage of McKinney's versatility. And we can see the results of it. Cause you know, as as we discussed midweek last week, you know, this is we feel like this is the best that Weston has played since he's come to Juventus. And that's saying something considering kind of how he started his first few months at the club. So yeah. thankfully, as we deal with, you know, Paul Pugba's suspension that you know, apparently we still have to wait for the trial to begin. And, uh, obviously Niccolò Jolie's gambling suspension, somebody has stepped up and it's been Weston McKinney. And then, as we said uh, a few days ago, you know, it, he was in a situation where we didn't know how much longer he was going to be a Juventus player. And then all of a sudden dominoes started falling. And in hindsight, this has been one of Max's best decisions is reincorporating Weston back into the squad. So, yeah, yeah, I guess it's uh, kind of. In a way, you can kind of connect Weston, or you can kind of say that, you know, things didn't go so well for Weston at first, and now they're much better. And while Juventus was winning, things are much better for Juventus because, you know, look oh, at yes. all the goals they're scoring. Don't have to rely on center backs to score shocks. Nah.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> indeed, indeed.
0: <laughs> all righty. Shall we get to a couple of Twitter questions here, gents? Yes, let's do that. All let's right. So, uh, from our old friend Handy Vandy, I'm I'm guessing you guys can probably guess what he's going to ask about. With news of an inevitable return, who knows how serious that is. Where do <laughs> where does Times Magazine's World Sexiest Man of 2024, Federico Bernardeschi, fit into the current UV squad? <laughs>
2: oh, I thought you were going to say John Ham or something. I no. Oh gosh! <laughs> All right, I I keep no track of these things just the for the wings
1: right. of They will return. And neither of them will play on the wing. Yeah, and neither. Well, one of them might just as a wing back. I feel like from what I understand, if he's if he does come back, it's going to be in the next 10 days. Philip Kostic gets a nice offer from Saudi Arabia and he decides to peace out. That's all the rumors I've read is basically he would be a roster replacement for Kostic if he were to decide to leave. Who knows what that's going to be like? Uh, he's certainly not coming if an if a, uh, unless he's replacing somebody just cause money.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: and Juventus's lack thereof, yes, but, yeah, I, I mean, that that's where I think he'd end up going is is on that left side. I mean, although knowing the way that Allegri has messed with the poor kid's position for such a long time, you know, we'll probably see him in his a lot at some point. We'll probably see him try to put him up with up in the front. It's, you know, you know allegri has done everything but what he's good at you know what what he's best at for so much of his time of their time together it's it's really a shame in that regard but yeah I, that that's where i think fernandeski would go if he does come but i don't think it's going to happen really
2: uh, the only role that I can see uh, Bernadeschi having at Juve is uh, replacing Carlo Pinsolio as the team cheerleader. Wow, uh, frankly, Whoa. <laughs> So
0: how how dare you how dare you speak
2: of such a thing? Yeah, well, hey, um, what, what is it that the kids say? Uh, come at me, bro! <laughs> um, so.
0: You saying that as the young as the youngest person on this podcast, the kids?
2: Oh age what is time it's all just a simulation going back to what I was saying <laughs> no I uh, honestly I, I respectfully there is truly no role for esky at the team uh, I think he's a wonderful human being uh great guitar playing skills and a <laughs> lovely dog but it's uh, not just one step backwards it's it's multiple steps backwards to bring someone like esky back into the into the club when we're um, finally showing you know, faith in youth, uh, you know, Yudis and Nicolas Caviglia, Fagioli, et cetera, et cetera, and just clearly playing very good football and, and whatever, everything we're doing on the pitch and with the management and just all the way in the, you know, the boardroom and stuff is seemingly kind of repairing all the madness that has happened uh, the last few years. So um, now this would be a step backwards. But again, if he wants to hang out with Pinsolio and be the ch- team cheerleader, I mean, hey, man, we all need a hype man. So uh, get that hype man, hype man.
0: (laughs) All right. Next question from at Amit Champanary1. What has been the biggest single factor that has made us genuine title contenders, dare I say even favorites, this season? Good question. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean,
1: it is interesting because, you know, we we didn't really start this kind of crazy run of form until, you know, until the end of... uh, you know, until the new year when when Yieldits came in and and we started seeing this whole thing. It was there was a lot of, you know, holding on for dear life for, for a lot of results. And that kept us, you know, in with a lot more points than we have in, in previous years in situations like that. And I think that's what that's one of the things that it really comes down to is that there is a mental side of this team, regardless of, of how they're playing and what tactics they're playing that is markedly different from the last few years and you know the the ones that would that come back 90 seconds later to score against monza after giving up the one nil lead you know hanging in until the 97th minute for cambiaso to score against verona all that there is there is a mentality to this team that we haven't seen in a while and i think that's the the single biggest thing is that they are they're thinking like juve again more than anything else.
2: I would say, actually, the answer that's probably not super sexy, but um, it's the defense. I mean, really, I I really think just our defense first approach, which, uh, you know, obviously has been the source of many kind of grumblings and, and discussions of, you know, Gorto Musso and just the bare minimum approach of Allegri. But, I mean, I really think the foundation of this team was built on our defense first and then we... Suddenly got a bit of a goal scoring touch. <laughs> you know, so it's an age-old cliche, and it's probably not one that people like super much. But I mean, you really do build truly successful teams on the back of your defense, on, on the back of that spine of your team, and then slowly get better at scoring goals.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny as you were talking, Chuck, so I was thinking, you know, is this Was this part of Max's grand plan when it comes to this season squad, where it's like, you know, really get the defense sound and then kind of open things up. But then you look at how they started the season and it was, you know, press and high pressure and and creating chances off the press. So it's like, no. And then you throw in how he's played the last two years. And it's like, well, no, probably not because it was Corto Musso pretty much. From beginning of the season to start so the integration of lungo muso is uh <laughs> definitely something i think i can feel safe in saying that it has caught all of us off guard so <laughs> who knows if this was part of the plan or not and i have a feeling that uh max is the kind of person who's not necessarily going to reveal that but uh yeah welcome change as i keep saying welcome change and, a- and also just
2: a bit more tactical diversity and flexibility i mean we've seen oh, like sure. you said kind of the full gambit of tactics we've seen the full-on corto muso we've seen at the beginning of the season where we saw that real modern-ish style of football where we really pressed hard and you know really put teams uh yeah we're on the front foot rather than doing that deep uh that low block and now we've seen kind of a hybrid of the two pressing strategically at times when necessary but not going gung-ho pressing and not going fully, fully, fully low block. It's, yeah, kind of a hybrid. And I think that shows a lot of, um, yeah, flexibility and just finally a little bit of compromise from Allegri to say, okay, maybe the way I've been doing things isn't the only way to do things.
0: Are you trying to say the tactical evolution we thought would show up when Max first showed up is finally showing up after <laughs> his after his sabbatical?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, maybe... Maybe he had a good vacation or something and he just, I don't know, got an epiphany or something. <laughs> no, no, I shouldn't joke. Uh, I shouldn't say that. No, I, I I don't know. I think it's just, uh, yeah, maybe just discussions with his management, uh, assistant coaches and stuff. I, I don't know. Uh, something has definitely made him a little more flexible to say, okay, you know, I'm going to be a little more open tactically. And yeah, like I said, just compromise a little more, not just say, okay, we're going to go full on Corto Musso. Say, okay, there's generally stick to that, but I'm going to allow a little more openness and allow a little a player like Yildiz more freedom and to actually play him a, and then allow more freedom secondly. So yes, compromises is, is not always bad.
0: All right. We'll wrap it up on this question from at Kevin West life. What would it take for max to realize that Fabio Moretti is letting everyone else down and therefore should be better, would be better <laughs> loaned out. This is a serious yeah. question, by the way. Uh, what, one, what one game of struggles from Fabio Moretti does for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I mean, I was in, in another
1: Facebook group that I'm in. Somebody posted something along the lines of, like this if you think Fabio Moretti should not be playing professional football.
2: Oh, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> I know.
1: Lord. <laughs> I, I, and, and, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, his form generally has been up since the new year. You know he's still 20 years
0: old for God's sake. I know that that's I. I don't mean I. I am interrupting you, but I don't mean to Sam. People forget that even though he's been around for almost two full seasons now, he is still one of the younger players in the league.
1: Yeah. You know, if if it weren't for Yields, he'd still be the youngest player in the roster. Yeah. And so now, would alone be good for his development? Maybe at this stage, yeah. Fact of the matter is it's not happening this month because no. we don't have any other midfielders. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, if next year, especially if you end up, you know, if you, Danny, end up very happy and Samarzic comes uh over the summer and you know, you'll have Fajoli back, you know, you'll have Enzo Banakea back, you know, you'll have a you'll have some some more depth in that in that midfield. Maybe you can send him off to kind of do what Fagioli did at Cremonese, do what Matias Sule and Beninikea are doing now. Side note, Sule's goal today. Yes. Pretty, pretty. And en- Enzo's entire performance. Yeah. Pretty. Very good. All three of our low hit had the ball in the net today. Yes.
0: <laughs> Only two counted.
1: Beninikea was called back for, on, on VAR for a foul that I'm not sure what he called on. that.
0: A questionable VAR call? That never happens uh, at all. But... Yeah, I, I
1: maybe alone next year really will be you yeah. know, the thing that kind of breaks him, you know, breaks him out fully and gets him to where we've thought that he can be for the last two
0: seasons. But it's not happening now because there's no. nobody else to play in midfield. No, no, and that that's one of the unfortunate realities. I mean, even even last summer where he, you know, the the depth was where what it was where, and the finances are what they are. Where it's like you can look at it and it's like as much as a loan spell for him would be really good and productive, and especially seeing how loan spells have worked for some of the other youngsters his age who have gone out on loan this season, you know, with Pogba's issues, and that was even before the doping ban or the doping suspension, I should say, because he hasn't technically been banned yet. And then obviously in hindsight with Fajoli getting suspended, thank goodness he didn't go out on loan because, I mean, the the midfield, like we've been saying for months now, where they are now, they're still short two guys and two of their most important guys on top of that. So just from a simple depth sound point, you know, as much as Joseph Nunge might be talented, I don't, I don't know if I feel very comfortable with him essentially being next man up in a lot of situations.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are are two parts of the questions in terms of the question. One of them is, you know, send him out on loan. And uh, the other one is, you know, is he a bad player or should he just no <laughs> is he <a> bad player? <laughs> Clearly he's very good. He's playing in one of the best teams in the world. I mean, I don't say that as like, oh, we're one of the best teams in the world, but like I say it as in just objectively, he's playing in the top five leagues of the world in the second place team in the league of the best one of the top five. Uh, leagues in the world. So I mean, objectively, he's clearly pretty good. Yeah, I think the main point is just uh, our views. Or I think the average fans expectations of players developments these days is very uh, skewed and very just uh, very unrealistic. Um, I think we expect a player who has had maybe a good season or a good half season at the age of 19 or 20 to immediately be putting in world-class performances day or week in week out uh and i think it's just i think it really contributes to a lot of mental stress on young players because there's this expectation of like why am i not the best at 20 years old why am i not the best at 21 years old because i've had a good season you know last season for instance with yield is now people will probably expect them to be del Piero next season which you know is just it's just absurd you know i, I think it's like I said, it contributes to a lot of anxiety for young players, and just with Miletti is the same thing. I mean, for, he's twenty years old; he could have three bad seasons, and then still at twenty four or twenty five have like breakout seasons and play for Barcelona. I mean, it could still. <laughs> I mean, on a, you know, honestly, I said that kind of jokingly, but it, it's still true. I mean, he's you can still afford to have like you know few terrible seasons and still be able to have a really good career for five, six years. Um, So more of the story, just have some patience. He's playing well enough. I mean, you know, he's having some bad games here and there, but he's playing well enough. I mean, he's absolutely in the picture for Juve. And I think, I mean, as long as he's still playing a lot of games for Juve and Allegri considers him a, you know, genuine part of the team, I just keep him you know, keep him. So, uh, yeah, I have no, uh, no worries about that.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see not only how he kind of fits into the rest of this season, knowing that he's essentially the first man up whenever, you know, somebody like Edrin Rabio, who's hopefully not out for much longer, uh, is out and, and he's kind of filling in a, a, a few different roles at this point. So, Uh, We'll see. Hopefully, Moretti uh, is more like the Moretti from the first couple weeks of January than uh, what we saw against Lecce. So, uh, thank you guys for your Twitter questions. We uh, didn't have all time for all of them, but we might have time for a few of them during the midweek episode. So, uh, as always, if you want to Send us Twitter questions. Feel free to do so at Juventus Destination on the Twitter machine. Follow us there. Follow the Fans First Sports Network at Fans First. SN on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it these days. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Facebook as well. FansFirstSports.com. We're all the podcasts around the network. Uh, subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a nice five-star rating and a review. So, For Sam, for Chucks, for The Traveling Man, Sergio, and Producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days.